Hey everybody, Ben here. I just wanted to hop in at the beginning of this episode for a quick content warning. We're putting this in the show notes as well, but just in case some of you out there are, you know, just listening to the show, this episode does discuss serious depression, suicide, and suicide attempts. So please listen accordingly. Thanks. Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. Are you sure you read that map right? Maybe we should stop and ask for directions. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapist, expressive arts therapist, always asking for directions, your mechanic. I'm Blaze Harris, licensed clinical mental health counselor associate. I am a hitchhiker today. <laughs> All right, listeners, you are the drivers as always. Let's hit the road. Today's quote is by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Depression never discriminates. Took me a long time to realize it, but the key is to not be afraid to open up. You are not alone. Last week, we talked about the stigma of mental health in popular media and culture. Today, we're joined by Blaise Harris, a licensed clinical mental health counselor associate, to talk about a specific facet of stigma, men in mental health. He puts the men in mental health. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so how prevalent are mental illnesses with men? So NAMI in 2019 recorded that females uh, comprise 24.5% of folks looking for uh, mental health care. And males only accounted for 16.3%. We're looking at about twice as many females looking for care as males who look for care. The key thing in that statistic is that these are only folks who are looking for care. Mental illness may be much more prevalent than that, but a lot of folks don't go to get it. If you remember from last session, it took about 11 years. Wasn't that right, Kim? Yeah, 11 years from onset of symptoms to seeking help. These numbers may not really represent what is happening out there. And there's a huge stigma for men seeking help. We're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to lead everything. And you know what? We don't know what the hell we're doing. Blaze, what do you think? Is that consistent with your experience as well? I actually do think that that's the case. That earlier, the stigma surrounding it, we're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to be able to handle anything that comes our way. And anytime that any male finds or feels that they are weak or not where they're supposed to be, they're not going to ask for help. They're going to, we're, we're pretty much taught at a young age to keep it to yourself. You're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to, you know, be sad. You can be happy. You can be angry. Everything else, you better push it down and handle it because that's what men are supposed to do. Mm. And so if you step outside of that, oh, you're a punk if you cry. And what's the one of the first things that you're told if you cry? Oh, get up. Or, or or quit being quit being a baby. That's not what big boys do. So we're taught early not to deal with our emotions, just to suppress them. But then people wonder why people are so emotional or lack emotion 
in relationships and why they don't know how to talk. They don't want to communicate. They don't know how to express themselves when they're sad or when they're grieving. It's because they were never taught. They were never allowed to. Or their sadness comes out as anger because anger was acceptable. Sadness was not. Yes, that's exactly right. I'll give you an example. I was doing marital therapy and the wife was asking, I I want to know what your emotions are. I want to know what's going on inside of you. So this guy took a risk and he opened up about how scared he was about their finances, the direction they were going in, how they could do what they were doing with their children and how sad he was that most of the time he has to bottle all that up and he gets really frustrated, which makes him snap at folks. That was a big risk. And the wife freaked out. And she discovered, we worked all the way through that, but what she discovered is she had been counting on him to be the rock who actually knew what was happening so that she could be freer with her emotions. And when she recognized he was as scared, as emotional, essentially, as she, then she had to take responsibility for her end of the relationship. And that freaked her out. (laughs) So what was nice, though, is because they opened up and they got through that rocky place, they were able to connect at a deeper level and join one another in order to find solutions for their family as a whole. What's interesting is it takes getting to marital therapy. How do we encourage men to start talking about their feelings? Saying it's hard, not impossible to get men into therapy, but that's a thing that goes with that depression and emotions Mm -hmm. and sadness and grief. All of that stuff is considered weakness. Mm -hmm. And even asking for the help is considered weakness. Well, and this guy almost left therapy because he felt punished when she freaked out. Yeah. And that that makes sense too. And until that starts to change at a societal level, I don't think we'll see a lot of change in the percentages of men seeking mental health help. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's so many like different factors and so many different variables that they think are in the way of them actually getting the help too. It's like, think about it. I, I say I'm sad, right? Well, if I need some help or whatever, you know, they even have just the whole wrong idea of what, like, let's say, let's take depression for instance. Even Kim said earlier, she talked about how, you know, that sadness can come off as anger. And when men think about, oh, you're depressed. The first thing to think about, oh, is you sad, you crying all the time. That's not what it is. They say it shows up. Depression shows up more as anger in men. And when I pose that, it's like, how many mad dudes do you know? They like, I didn't even think about that. So there's that one thing, you know, just not knowing what the issue is. You know, they think about, okay, it's just, you know, I have to be a man. I have to deal with these things. These things are in place for me. So I have to handle them regardless of how I'm feeling. Then the next thing is, all right, I go to therapy. What's this lady going to do? How she going to know? Where I, how she going to know what it's like for me to be a man? All right. So they all just they automatically have this thing that is. I'm going to get this other this whole other thing. It's just like they go sit on the couch and it's going. How does it make you feel the whole time? And they think that's what it's going to be like. I'm going to sit back and lay on the couch and just talk about what it is. Now, that was a pretty good impression of Don. <laughs> Except for he's not a lady therapist. And he doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> That's true. Now, our listeners don't know the image that was just there. But he... So, I mean, I mean, that's the thing, though, is it's like 
that that question is necessary at times. But at the same time, so many people don't realize it's just like just talking about it is going to be enough. Well, and also recognize that the language around feelings is not provided for a lot of men, but also in general. And so when someone is sitting and saying, well, how does that make you feel? And the only tools you have are angry or sad. (laughs) Right. Angry, sad or happy. When that's what you've got, it's really hard to open up. And if the therapist isn't making the effort to help educate and provide the resource to be able to put words Mm -hmm. to your feelings, that's even more, you know, distancing and creates this bigger Mm -hmm. gap. And you're right. There are significantly more female therapists. A 2013 study revealed that for every male active psychologists, there were 2.1 female active psychologists in the workforce. A lot of the times when you're seeking therapy, you're going to find a female therapist. I wish there were more male therapists. And that's part of why, Blaze, I wanted you on this show is you're a male therapist. You're a newer male therapist. And so how did you, what's your story? How did you get into becoming a therapist? Before I joined the therapy world, I was a firefighter. I was a firefighter for 14 years and I've seen my fair share of stuff. I've seen my fair share of bad stuff, pretty much you name it. I've encountered it in some way, shape, form or fashion, but it wasn't the calls that actually bothered me. I was going through a divorce. And so I was, I was going through a divorce and the worst feeling I've ever had. I was like, I've heard of depression, but never really experienced it. I had lost so much weight I was constantly sad. I was, I had suicidal ideations. I even had two attempts. And the thing about it was I put on my mask. My mask was impeccable. So I was smiling, like nothing was wrong and everything was going on. You know, everything was going well. And then I started to feel like I was a black hole and sucking all of the energy out of the room. And so one day I had got to my breaking point and I had my first attempt. And the thing about it was when I did it, you know, it's like I, I, I went through the process and I cut my wrist and that first cut, I was like, oh, that's the relief that I've been looking for. And I did again. And I was like, okay. But then that third, I was like, wait a minute, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't what I need. This is not quite right. So got on the phone, I got some help and it took me a while to figure out what it was. And, you know, I went in, I met it myself and got the help. The next day, I was like, what's wrong with me? He said, do you have major depressive disorder? Cool. What's that? And they broke it down for me. He <laughs> said, broke it down for me. And I was like, all right, so, you know, you're constantly sad. You don't have any interest in doing anything, not eating, losing weight, suicidal ideation, suicide attempts. You've been dealing with this for the past, how long? Two weeks. Oh, yeah, it's there. And so I started getting the help, started going, I started going group therapy, started getting medication, you know, see what was going on, going along with it. So got the help that I need. I got out of there, found a therapist that worked for me, took a little while, took me three times to find the right therapist. You know, had a black female therapist, thought it would be cool, but she trying to talk to me like a mom, didn't work. I didn't, I didn't need that. It reminded me of my grandma and it wasn't good. Went to a white male therapist. He had worked with firefighters before, but he had his clock. He had the, like his timer going and I could see his timer going the whole time. I was like, bro. And then I finally found somebody who was actually good for me. You know, she was former PD. She knew what it was. She talked to me like a regular person. 
and it worked for me. I knew that me going through my own stuff as a firefighter, as somebody who seemingly has it together, if I'm going through it, all these other dudes in the fire service who work with me are going through the same stuff, but they're not big enough to say anything about it. So I got into therapy because I wanted to be a therapist for first responders. We're not just going to talk to anybody. We don't want to feel like we have to explain the job to people. We don't want to feel like we have to counsel the counselor because a lot of therapists can't handle the stuff that first responders see. I had some of my brothers and sisters go into therapy and they had the counselor crying because of the stuff that they had talked about, stuff that they seen. They want to be able to go in there and be themselves and talk and feel like they're not being judged, feel like they can handle what it is that they can do. I am a therapist who knows what police, fire, EMS, telecommunicators, all those people go through. People feel comfortable because they know who I am. They know what I do. They know my experience. They know my background. So I have been fortunate enough to get a lot of first responders to actually come see me and want me to be their therapist for that very reason. Sorry, that was long-winded, my bad. <laughs> no, that was great. Okay. That was perfect. That was absolutely yeah. perfect. Normally we would put that at like the top of the episode, but that's kind of part of the, how do you get more men involved in mental health, both from the therapy side and from right. seeking it. And in the story, Blaze, you point out several places where a guy could mm -hmm. bail on this. Number one, getting a diagnosis and not knowing what it is and not being willing to ask. Mm -hmm. So what is that? Because yeah. I'm supposed yeah. to know, right? And then finding the first therapist not work for you. That'd be yeah. a great place to bail. And then a second one who actually wasn't with you, mm -hmm. they were with a clock, <laughs> right? Yep. I'm bailing now. And, yep. you know, I'm zero for two. And you stayed in there. You had perseverance to find mm -hmm. someone who worked for you. Yep. And I think a lot yeah. of people think, okay, I tried it. It ain't worked for me. Bro, you ain't tried nothing. If you want this to mm -hmm. work, if you want to get better, you got to put in the work just like you do everything else. You know, how many times have you tried to go for a certain job and you didn't get it? Did you stop right then and there? What about if you trying to fix something at your house and you didn't get it right the first time? Did you stop right then? And no, no, you didn't. What about if you're trying to get with a partner? They shoot you down, but you know that this person is the person for you. You're just going to stop right then and there. You know, sometimes you got to be careful with it. Sometimes you want to be free. <laughs> I'm no, over no, here no, making no, faces like, at you like, like mm, my dude. Um, but no, but it's just like, but if, <laughs> even if you, you know, you know what I mean? If you're in a relationship with somebody and it's, you know, it's mutual. You're not going to bail after the first fight is what you're trying to say. I should have went with marriage. If you, you know, you're married, you're dealing with these things. <laughs> the first time you have an argument, I want a divorce right now. No, you're going to try to work through it because that's your, that's your partner. That's your person you want to work it through. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with any type of sport, any type of anything that you do, you don't just bail out of the first sign of trouble. Well, and even with physical injury, a lot of what we've been doing is tying mental illness to physical illness. You get a first diagnosis and you go to another doctor to get a confirmation of this diagnosis. If you go to the first mental health therapist and you're like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right, you're go get a second opinion, go get a second space to be heard for what is going on. Agreed. And, you know, one of the things that I have found helpful with guys getting them into therapy is relating it to coaching that they've gotten, because most guys have played a sport, even if they weren't great at it, they played a sport and they had a coach and the coach taught them skills and it was OK to grow in those skills, to not know it when you first start and then to get better at it as you go along. Yeah. And, and guys kind of understand that 
and are willing to do that rather than to be psychoanalyzed. And once they're in, once they tell the stories, it's amazing to me how many men want to share what's happening for them. Yeah. They just and, never know. And, that I, and I think it takes the right therapist to actually get them to that point where they can actually do it. In all essence, mm -hmm. if we can be that, that coach, when it comes along, men will be more comfortable, more confident, being able to feel the way that they feel. That's the big point. Of it. But, but yep. the thing about it is, it's like anything, we can't force them to go. You can't force us to go. It's kind of be one of those things. It's like, I, I have to walk through those doors. I have to be that person to do it. You know, I have to be a man. All right. Well, if that's what you want to be, be big enough to walk through the door. How do we make that door more approachable? One of the things that I've learned, I am very vulnerable. I share wins as well as my losses. If I'm grieving, I, I take it upon myself to share it. I have a, I have a pretty decent sized social media presence. I don't have a problem telling people I'm having a bad day. I am dealing with stuff. I lost my brother. I lost my brother February 25th of this year. And so me being vulnerable and letting people know how I was feeling and how I was making it through the day, you know, I would tell them some days it's tough for me to get up. Some days I am unhappy because I know that he is in a better place. Other days I'm just like, I'm angry. And I go through all this, like this roller coaster of emotions. But I also tell people how I show them how to cope, how to deal with these things. It's like, okay, how do I deal with this? I teach them about how to exercise, to relieve stress, journaling, painting. They think that coping mechanisms has to be all this Zen type stuff. It doesn't have to be like that. You know what can be a coping mechanism? Going fishing, working in your in your workshop, fixing your car, playing with your kids, playing on your video game. All those things could be like coping mechanisms to help you process whatever stress, whatever trauma, whatever depression, whatever sadness, whatever anger it is that you have. You can use those things as long as they are helping you get to a better place. It's okay as long as it's not causing any harm to anybody. You know, you're not causing harm to anyone else or yourself. Those are the biggest thing. I tell people all the time, it's like, I do what I have to do to keep myself out of the sunken place. And most of the time for me, it's playing with my kids or journaling or writing or dancing. Excuse or me, working you paint out. too. And I, I, I paint okay, but I have a really good teacher that helps me. But do you have fun when you do it? And does it help I, you get out of sadness? Amazing. I have an amazing time painting. So it might not be the best based on me, but all art is all art is all good art. So that's what I was told. So this it's not based on what everybody else does. It's based on what I feel. So that's right. Cool. That's really true about life. It's not based on comparing it to anyone else. It's based on comparing it to you. And are you better today than you were yesterday? And what's your plan to get better tomorrow? Yep. I love that. You're welcome to it. It's in a collection of Don's quotes. I love it. <laughs> well, drivers, those are the main reasons it can be so challenging for men to seek therapy. We also shared some ideas for overcoming the stigma from the societal level to the personal. Thank you, Blaze, for joining us and sharing your story and insights. Thanks for having me. And until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. 
You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Thank you.